And it's Encounter with God time here on Faith FM. We're about to get into our Bible study. I wonder whether I actually wonder whether Mahershal Al Hashbaz got called Baz. Do they do nicknames in the Middle Eastern culture? I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody who's from the Middle East, um, give us a call. <gasps> yes, we need to hear us. from you. Do they do nicknames? Are they like Australians where we just take everybody's name <laughs> and shorten it or butcher it or change it? Um, to to suit ourselves. You know what? I'm going to tell you a story about that real quick. Yes. My first year of study, it was a very tiny group, but there were some people, and even the ones who had a short name already, we shortened, like Zoe became Zoe. Like Charlotte became Char. Like I was <laughs> Seth. Anyway, many, many people. They're not listening, so it's fine. But there was this one girl, full name was Daniela. We yep. just all called her D. She had been yep. there already for a year, so we all came in as first years and all, like, second years are now calling her D. Six months into my first year, so they'd been there 18 months, she made this – she was from – where was she from? She wasn't Australian anyway. And she made this comment one lunchtime. We were just talking. She's like, yeah, I find Australians really lazy. Like, my name is Daniela. It's not D. And all of her, she's just like, we're so sorry. <laughs> like, it was just like an automatic. No idea. No idea that she hated it because everyone was just like, everyone else's name was shortened. Like, But see, we do that when we, we like a that. person. Exactly. I'm like, That's how we express the like fact. It's like we're friends. <laughs> we like you. We accept you. Therefore, we shorten your name. Yeah. Anyway, since then I've learned, like, if I hear someone's name, I'm like, what do you prefer? But yes. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yes. And for the record, for those who might be wondering, Minnie's name is not Minnie. No. <laughs> there are many, many nicknames. <laughs> Minnie has many nicknames. This is the nickname that she's currently using on uh, uh, yes. Radio. <laughs> yes. I think it's probably one of the longest lived ones. but um, It is. Yeah. It might be here to stay. Oh, it'd be weird. <laughs> no, I just I just thought, anyway, that's besides the point. But, yes, I would be interested to know if in the Middle Eastern culture, nicknames are a thing. Yeah. Mm. Would this guy have got Baz? Yeah. Or, or just, or even something else. Maybe they're not about the baz. Maybe they're about the um, hash or shalal or how do you say the fit? Maher. 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 Maher shalal hash baz. You could. Why not? That was quite the uh, testimony that Josh was sharing with us this that morning. That was awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to hear the second half. Yeah, I know. Um, he's got some great stories to share. And of course, you know, I know Josh reasonably well. Um, but he's got some great stories to share as to how, you know, what God has done in his life, how God got him into ministry. Mm-hmm. And then how God's been using him ever since. Oh, I'd love to hear. Because I don't know this person at all. I was like listening and being like, oh. And some people, look, we all have a story to share. I think it's actually really important that we do. I'm someone I really struggle to share. Like I just don't, I know that it's there. I just don't. You have an amazing story to share. Yeah, but I'm not very good at articulating it. And this is the thing with testimonies, right? You learn to share it by sharing it. Yes. Some people are naturally, you know, more gifted. And I really appreciated like listening to Josh. Because sometimes people give too much detail, you know, and you're just like, Okay, this is going to take us 10 years. Like, it's good, but it's going to take us 10 years to get to the end. Some people give you not enough detail. They just kind of skip through all things. They're like, wait, wait, wait. I just feel like, I feel like there are so many crucial things you meant, but that was like a good amount of. And it wasn't, sometimes when somebody's had a dark past, mm. there is the danger where the dark past actually sounds attractive. Yeah, it glorifies. Yeah. And with Josh, as he was sharing that, it was like, who would ever want to be a part of a dark past like that? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was so good. Great stuff. Praise God. Yeah. All right. Where are we up to? Bible study time. We need to get into it. First John chapter 5. Let's start in verse 11. First John chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. Please, Minnie. Yes. First John 5, 11. Okay. So, oh, yeah. First John. Um, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has, set, ooh, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have... 
God's son does not have life. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Is that the verse? That's, that's, you're the Why, why, what's just yours? The dodginess, the new lame translation over there. <clears throat> let me read, let me read for you. Verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you're missing a whole line. <laughs> All right. The Sometimes you just look at me and you're like, useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, it frustrates me. Sorry. It's like it's say? not there. Why is it not there? I bet you're missing. I, I, actually, this is an interesting experiment. Mm-hmm. Read for me. Uh, let me see. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, So we have these oh. three witnesses. Yeah. And then verse 8, the spirit, the ah. water, and the blood. And all three agree. Okay, so you've got like a quarter of verse 7. Oh, what else does yours say? For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Oh, okay, interesting. Yes. So it's a debatable verse. Uh, what's interesting about this verse, and I'm getting sidetracked, <laughs> let me get sidetracked for a moment, Brilliant. is that people say, well, it's not in the earlier transla- in the earlier manuscripts. Uh-huh. Earlier does not necessarily mean more accurate. Mm. That's the first principle that we need to look at because there were forgeries being written during the time the apostles were still alive. Paul addresses it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, you know, if you get a letter as from me, in other words, my signature at the bottom, and it teaches you a different gospel, ignore it. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, so there were people writing forgeries in, in Paul's time. And so just because something is older and closer to the events does not mean that it is more accurate. There are other um, ways of testing its accuracy other than just pure age. And if you limit yourself just to that criteria in textual criticism, that's a very, very limiting criteria, and a lot of people do make that mistake. Uh, What is interesting about this particular verse that speaks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as being one is, and and what a lot of people... um, don't realize is that when it comes to textual criticism, it's more than just looking at manuscripts um, of the Bible. Mm. It's also reading the church fathers and um, reading where they have quoted those verses in their writings. And so you're going to have variation from one manuscript to another. To create a good manuscript, you create an, an edited version by looking at, you know, the bulk of the evidence that is available to you. And what is interesting about this particular verse is that all the church fathers uh, use it with authority and with the assumption that it's there and that it exists from the first century all the way through. It's found there in every single century of Christian history. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So you can actually build a very good case that it should be there. That it should Even be there. Even though some people are like, oh, it shouldn't be there. Yeah, that's interesting. That is a good point. Yeah. Because mm, I've definitely heard that argument. Oh, it, mm. it, it, it predates. It's, it's, use, it's used by the church fathers as an authoritative verse, predates our earliest manuscripts by, by like 250 years. Wow. 300 years. Oh, interesting. So if you're going to go with the oldest is most accurate, if you're really going to go that way, then you actually have to include it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah, anyway, um, if you've got some thoughts on that and if you would like to debate the point. Oh, yeah, let us give know. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Should uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7 be in the Bible or not? 
1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. That's the one. I will be... I would love to hear someone call happy take Happy to take you on. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, would. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's, okay, all right. I need to repent. No, 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 I'll no, repent. It's good. Repent of your debating attitude. Okay, uh, let's work our way through this particular um, passage that we're given right here it's because what we're looking at today is testifying with assurance. Mm. Is John testifying with assurance? How much assurance is coming through in the verses that we're reading right here? What are the what are the what are the lines of assurance that we're reading here? Well, there seems to just be a lot. He's just very confident in what he's saying. He's like. Whoever has the sun has life. Yep. That's just how it is. He's just stating it as yeah. a fact. <laughs> he isn't there, is no, to add. there is no flinch. No. There is no, there's no Christian flinch. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we often have. Yep. Um, there is no doubt or uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, he is speaking of realities. Yeah. And, and you find it in basically every word. So let's work our way through it. Verse 11. And this is the record. So it doesn't say, you know, this is a tradition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is our mythological past. This is the story that's been handed down. It's like, no, nah, this is the record. My, in my one it says, this is what God has testified. Okay. I'm like, that's a pretty solid argument to yes. be like, God. This is what God said. God claims this. Yeah. That's right. Um, don't blame me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't write the Bible and uh-huh. I didn't say this. God said this. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. Mm. And this life is in his son. You know, plain, simple, straightforward. I love John because he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't use deep theological arguments. you got everything you find in the book of Romans in like, what, five chapters here of really simple language. Uh-huh. Um, then he goes on, he that has the son has life. Mm. End of story. You know, if you've got the son, you're not somebody who's wondering, do I have eternal life? Uh, can I have assurance right now? No. He's like, you have the son, you have blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's what John is saying right here. If you've got Jesus, you've got eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't. Yeah. Uh, let me see where it goes on. He that does not have the son of God does not have life. Well, there you go. That's, that's, that's exactly what we just said. Yeah, he just repeats himself, but uh-huh. he's just like. He reverses it. Yep. And this is really important because this is what Jesus said, right? He's just like, in me is eternal life. That's right. Jesus That's where it is. Says this. It's in Jesus, not in us. It's yeah. not anywhere else. It's in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, if Jesus, if Jesus is in us, and we are in Jesus, yeah, then we have eternal life. We have the assurance of eternal life. But as John goes on to say, he that you know, if Jesus is not in you, you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is never going to force your force his will upon you. Mm-hmm. When you when you invite Jesus in your into your life. He's not like, good, I'm here to stay. Regardless of what you might decide, Yeah, I am never going to leave. Yeah, he doesn't say as the uninvited guest. I am forcing you into heaven Yeah, <laughs> regardless of what happens because, hey, you, uh, well, you made the mistake and opened the door and let me in, so now I'm not leaving. Yeah. Jesus is not like that. Satan is like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. He will come in, he's like, yep, that's it, I'm not leaving. And he'd be like, oh, I really want you out. And you can want and wish all you want. He will never leave. Yeah. Only when you go to Jesus Christ will mm. Satan leave mm-hmm. because only Jesus Christ has the power to turn up and say, there's no room for two and, I've been, in, and I've been invited. Hard mm-hmm. out. Yeah, <laughs> praise God. Praise God for the power of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Okay, so there's no such thing as this once saved, always saved, tear away your power of choice, 
get rid of the concept of love and force a person into heaven against their will. does mm-hmm. not exist. Mm-hmm. You've got Jesus, you've got eternal life. You've got assurance. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have assurance. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Because it's that lack of assurance that points you back to Jesus Christ. Yes. And this is something, oh, I think when we had the interview with David Help the other day, was it David? Anyway, you made a comment about how when people don't forgive themselves, yes. right? And I think this this is a really important thing too because if we can, or even what um, Josh was just sharing on his testimony, you know, it's yes. like, oh, I've gone too far, like it's too much. I think there's there can be this thing too of, of knowing that we have sought out Jesus, like we're like, yes, Jesus, I want to stay in you, I want you to be my life. But then being like, but do I have life? Do I have this certainty? Because because we hold the things that we have done against ourselves, whereas God is like, man, I've cast that away. I don't even remember that. That's not even in the records. That's just so. This is also a massive message of encouragement to be like, do you have Jesus? Mm-hmm. Then you have life. You know, like don't let that fear or that history be the thing that clouds you to tell you that you can't. Yes. It's actually interesting because what you're saying goes really well with a comment that came through in the show yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm wondering whether our producer can uh, find that one for us, who is um, distracted. Um, but it came in. It didn't come in in time for us to make it a part of the show, so it sort of came in a little oh. bit late. But it was actually a really good comment um, that I wanted to share with you, looking at you know the free will that God gives to us. Okay. Um, so basically, this person said, uh, you know, works or choices in the world is according to character. Mm. And if we have Christ's character, our works are going to be a reflection of Christ's character. Oh. If we have our own, and I'm filling in the gaps here, then we have, um, th- then we reflect our own character, mm-hmm. which is not so good. Um, you can't trick people with character. <laughs> because, you know, your words are sooner or later, they're going to reveal what your character actually is. Uh, he goes on because he was talking about that, you know, that whole concept of, mm. of forgiveness that we're talking about. Revenge is part of character. It's harder to forgive with a hard heart. A hardened heart is the devil's toolbox. Ooh, wow. There is your profundity of the day. Oh, that's good. A hardened, hardened heart is the devil's toolbox. I write that down. That's a good one. Yes. Mm. So if your heart is hard, sorry, if your, your heart, heart is hard. Charlie, <laughs> got you. If your heart is hard, then basically what you've got, what you've done is you've you've put together a toolbox, mm. you've opened it up and said to Satan, "Okay, here's a whole bunch of tools. Mm-hmm. Go build something." Mm. And what Satan builds is not going to be a good thing. You're not going to like it. Yep. yep. No one's going to like it. That's why forgiveness is just so incredibly important. I thought that was really, really good that was shared yesterday. Yeah, um, So, yeah, if you've got some thoughts to share, do share. Our number is zero, our text number is 0491-064-669 um, or you can call us and you can even go on air if you like. We've got an open line here, 1-800-324-843. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 19 through 22. Mm-hmm. Says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's ho- most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. 
Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. What a great little section. Yes, it is. What do you particularly like about this section right here? What is it, what is it that you like the most? What do I like the most? I think, man, the authority that we have because of Christ's blood, essentially, right? It's like mm-hmm. we can have, like the most holy place in the sanctuary was where the presence of God was. Like yes. when it's first, you know, there's the Shekinah glory, there's the mercy seat, there's the covenant, there's all things. You were not allowed to just go in there. Like, but, uh-huh. you know, even the priest couldn't just go in whenever they wanted. Even that had a, this is like such a call to come and know God and be known by God and be made clean and whole by him. Like that verse there that says, you know, our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Like what a beautiful, a beautiful thing. That's like, yeah, we are guilty. That's right. We are guilty. Do you know what I mean? Uh It's not saying, oh, there's nothing to forgive. Of course there's something to forgive. But you've been forgiven. Live forgiven. And and you've been, and we've been cleansed. Yeah. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Talking about the beauty and um, amazingness of butterflies and metamorphosis and uh, you know changing from a uh, grub mm-hmm. to a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Somebody has uh, just um, talked about this transformation and being a lot like you know a great object lesson of. The transformation into being a Christian. Absolutely. Because when you watch what takes place, it's not a grub that goes into a cocoon, grows wings and comes back out again. Yeah, it completely transforms. It's a grub that goes into a cocoon, turns into soup. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It turns into soup and then comes out as a butterfly. Mm. How does that work? You know, it That just completely does my head in. And so when we look at... Uh, us as Christians, you know, we are a grub. Mm. Before we're a Christian, we are a grub. As a human being, we are a grub. Human beings are grubs. <laughs> Absolute yeah. grubs. Yeah. The Bible says that the human heart is desperately wicked, totally evil. Who can even understand it? But you know the beautiful part is that next verse is about the Lord God who created you. He knows. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that it, and so he's the one who's like, I got this. You, you trust me. Uh-huh, I, uh-huh, I've got this. Uh-huh, like. uh-huh. We give our life to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is like, okay, let me take your old life, turn that into soup. Yeah. And then make you something completely different. Mm. Something my bro, my bro Mark says, he, oh, what did he used to say to me? He said, God doesn't call you to be a better person. He calls you to be a new person. Uh-huh. And that's the verse, right? He says, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, which is exactly what you're talking about. He's like, man... God wants to do things in your life that's going to be not just better than you were, but new. This is the butterfly effect. I mean, yes. not the butterfly, you know, that's a different thing. But this transformation, cocoon, grub, sludgy, soupy thing, new, beautiful, amazing creature. Like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so, so here's, a, here's another great illustration of the process of salvation mm-hmm. for all of my friends who are petrol heads. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the Bible the Bible talks about the transformation and it uses the word conversion. Oh. Not rebuild. Yeah. There's a difference between rebuild and conversion. Okay. So for the non all the petrol heads going, yep, I know exactly what he's talking about. Uh-huh. So for all of the non-petrol heads out there, this is how it works. The engine blows up in your car, right? Yes. Or you maybe just get dissatisfied with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh you've got two options. You can do a rebuild, which means that you take the same engine and you rebuild it with new components. 
It's basically the same engine with maybe a few improvements that you make along the way. Or you can do a conversion, mm-hmm. which, which is where you take that old engine out, the old heart, the old human heart, where you take it out and you throw it away and you turn it into a boat anchor. <laughs> okay? mm-hmm. Then you take, you know, an LS or something like that, a V8, and you plonk that in there. That's a conversion. Completely new, completely different, different manufactured, different in every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. Not the same. Yeah. That's what God does with your heart. God does not take your your heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. He takes your heart of stone, throws it away, and gives Replaces. you a heart of flesh. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's what God is in the business of doing. How good are object lessons? Oh, they are the best. <laughs> they are the best, particularly when they involve petrol. Uh, let's read. Where were we reading? Have we read we're Hebrews reading, yet? We read yes, Hebrews. Yes. Okay, so we read that one. Let's go to Let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen. Yes, and while we go there, just a reminder of the number to call if you have an answer to the quiz, or you just want to add some thoughts. One eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Where's Chris? Um, Acts Romans Corinthians. Oh, yeah, okay. I yeah, said a is, moment uh, of uh, just uh, being uh, like, <laughs> I don't know where this book is. What's the? Sorry, we're studying, studying the Bible for how many years now, Minnie? No, I know. I just <laughs> had a moment of like. This is not a minor prophet. No, okay. I know. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2, particularly verse 2, but verse 1 and 2. Okay, so let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Right. Okay, so somebody has texted through. Oh, I'm going to kind of come back to this first. We've got time, hopefully. Okay, long before I knew about the various Greek texts, I would see references to text not found in older, etc. I would shake my head in unbelief. How would this not be a part of God's word? I believe will be ultimately shown. These so-called older texts are forgeries. Hmm. By the way, did you know the Masoretic texts were discovered in 1844? Interesting. Okay, uh, the Greek for all modern translations. Okay, uh, it gets into the whole Westcott and Hort um, issue right here. Okay, Westcott and Hort were interesting characters. Okay, they were not very godly people. Okay, they did the first revision of the in the of the of the English translation, not of other translations, but of the English, English translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a different story. If I go down that rabbit hole, I will be here all day. Oh, but some interesting some interesting points raised there. Mm-hmm. Um, pedigree is something that is a very very valid. Um, issue to be looked at in textual criticism along with age. Mm-hmm. This is, there is not only one factor that you use when you are judging a, an ancient manuscript by. Mm-hmm. And if we judge it by one, then we are being very, very narrow. We need to uh, talk about our verse right here. Um, the Bible says, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to, our, preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. We have assurance with Jesus is with us. The word if here, if you hold firmly to my word. If we don't, Mm. then our assurance is gone and Jesus is calling us back to him. Where are you today? Is Jesus calling calling you back or is Jesus with you today? Let's have Jesus with us today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now time for Question of the Day. All right, what's our question of the day today? So the question is, 
who is, well, who was Kane's wife? This is a very easy one to answer. Kane's wife was Mrs. Kane. <laughs> Question answered. Move on. Next. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, the Bible does not tell us the name of Cain's wife. The real people, the real reason that people asked this question was, did he marry his sister? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. Okay, so if you read in the Bible, the Bible will will tell you about Adam having uh, Cain, yes, Abel, mm-hmm. and Seth. Yeah, that's all we know all about. Right. Then the Bible says uh, Adam lived 130 years and gave birth to a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. That's his third son. And the days of Adam after he had given birth to Seth, well, begotten, brought forth Seth, were 800 years and he brought forth sons and daughters. Mm. How many kids can you have in 800 years? I was say, you can have a pretty big <laughs> have pretty a very, big very mob. large family. Okay, this is what you find. When human beings were created, they were created perfect. Yes. In this particular situation, they were one step from perfection and mm. the human race has been degrading ever since. So you have very, very few genetic defects back then. You have lots of them now. It would take nearly 2,500 years before God outlawed what we now call incest. Mm. Because back when there were very few genetic defects, it wasn't a problem. But when it became a problem, God was like, no, you cannot do that anymore ever again. Praise God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So the way that genetic defects work is this. Um, let's say we all have genetic, genetic defects and let's say that yours is A. Mm-hmm. The chances of your brother having the same genetic defect are extremely high. Mm-hmm. So that he will also have the genetic defect of A. What then happens if you were to have a child together, then that child would have two A, because with, with, with the genes you've got the, the two sides of it, would have two A's and would then have a physical defect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whereas if you have a child with somebody that you're not related to, your genetic defect is A, theirs is X. They don't line up with each other. You don't have two X's and two A's, therefore you don't have a genetic defect. And so when this was not a problem, when genetic defects were not, you know, something that was common, when uh, when our, our, our genes were close to perfection, God didn't have anything to say about it. Mm-hmm. It was when it became a problem during the time of Moses that God said, okay, you can no longer do this. Uh, there were instances after that when it did happen, but it was against what God had said. And so, yeah, the uh, the early relationships was brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and so forth. That was yep. how it worked early on in the days, and Adam could have had 800 kids. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be Big quite family. family. <laughs> Big family right there. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.